0: what is up everybody this is episode four of fuck it we ball this week we got eric sexton he's a up-and-comer in the baseball industry we're gonna kind of get into and just talk about him and his life and a little bit of baseball
1: all right so jumping into you personally and how this all started let's talk about your story and who eric sexton is so tell me a little about yourself
2: yeah absolutely so i was born in uh, indianapolis indiana um 1996 I'm 25 now um so fresh out of college Ooh. a couple of years ago yeah old guy right <laughs> um so I, I was born into a baseball softball family man my dad my dad was a baseball nut growing up diehard Cincinnati Reds fan um he didn't play past high school but played his whole life and wanted and ended up going into uh the media side so working in radio and his dream for forever was uh you know being the play-by-play guy for the Cincinnati Reds and he you know carried that love with him his whole life he's, he's doing something a little bit different now we'll save that for another day but um, my mom also grew up playing softball so just immediately just born into it as as uh, far back as I can remember we were hitting wiffle balls in the backyard throwing a baseball around so that was my first love and um, you know I played other sports you know growing up 10 11 12 years old played some basketball messed around with football but when by the time I got to middle school I knew baseball was what I wanted to do it was what I wanted to, to work on and to the point where, you know, I didn't want to do football, soccer, anything like that. Like I wanted to play baseball in the fall um, and, and go work out at the indoor facility in the winter. Like that's just, you know, my brother and I both, that's that's what we wanted to do. Um, so that, that kind of passion and love for baseball, uh, as it worked out, we used to uh, vacation down in Clearwater, Florida um, and take a spring training tri- trip every year. So my grandpa is a, a Philly guy, um, big Phillies fan. They play spring training in Clearwater. The Reds, before they moved to Arizona, were down Uh, in Sarasota so we would take a trip down there every year and go watch spring training Uh, my brother and I would go out there and you know chase down autographs uh, BP home run balls all that stuff and we would go down there a couple times a year and fell in love with the area down uh, on the west coast of Florida and ended up uh, after my freshman year high school uh, moved down to Dunedin Florida um, permanently just my immediate family and that was that was really driven by um, you know my parents a being flexible with work and being able to make the move, but also knowing that uh, myself, my younger sister who played college softball, and then my younger brother who's a current college baseball player, they knew that's what we wanted to do. And uh, we were in Indiana. We were trapped in a basketball state, and we didn't have the resources, didn't have the really the weather to to really uh, go at this baseball softball thing full time. So we went down to to one of the big the big baseball softball states, moved down here for high school, and that's really where it became a serious thing for me. Um, it was pretty eye-opening moving down to Florida. We went to one of the premier high schools down here, you know, state championship level program. I mean, guys, you know, my, I remember one of the first guys I saw in my high school later in getting drafted by the Cleveland Indians was just a giant man, six, four full beard through 95 miles an hour. And I'm sitting here, you know, it's my first, uh, first time seeing high school baseball in Florida. I'm like, that's a grown ass man, bro. Like that can't be serious. So it's, it, it was definitely eye-opening to see the level of competition here, like guys who grew up playing year-round and really getting after it. Um, so it it really, you know, I had to work my ass off to get to, to get to the level to even play in high school down here because it's no joke. But ended up having a pretty good high school career, um, was a lefty, played first base, pitched, played some outfield, did the whole thing. Um, and my goals kind of changed as I got older. Like I kind of talked about um, – I knew what I was as a baseball fan, as a guy who, you know, followed the game. I knew that I wasn't going to be a top draft pick out of high school or ever. I knew, you know, my velocity wasn't there. I was just never one of the guys that, you know, was blessed with the tools like a lot of these dudes are, where where you kind of go after it knowing it's a possibility that you're going to play for money one day. Um, So my my main goal when looking for a school, um, and I knew I wanted to play college baseball, that was kind of my peak from the baseball side. Like, I just want to play in college. I know I'm not going to be a big leaguer, but – just get me to college baseball that I want to have that experience. Um, So that was like the priority along with uh, actually I knew since I was like 12, 13 years old, my like dream job, my career goal was to be a major league baseball general manager. Um, And that's where, you know, along with playing the sport, like I would spend my, I get home from practice and it was get on MLB, the show and go in franchise mode and start wheeling and dealing and doing all that shit, you know, fantasy baseball, that whole stuff. And then, you know, like books and movies like Moneyball come out. So it starts to become more mainstream. that like this is a really cool job. like this would be just a badass career to do. So when I was looking for a school, I wanted to find uh, a program that was a good fit for me from the baseball perspective, where I could go play. Um, but also I wanted to go to a really high academic school that was going to give me a chance to make some really good connections and um, and uh, you know end up getting my foot in the door in a front office after the fact. Um, so yeah, so I graduated from high school uh, from Dunedin in 2014. And ended up uh, going to Rollins College, which is a Division II down here in Orlando, where I currently live, uh, to play baseball. So Rollins plays in the Sunshine State Conference, which is uh, the best Division II conference in, in uh, the NCAA. So you probably heard of like University of Tampa, who they've won some national championships, Nova Southeastern, Florida Southern, um, schools like that. You know that it was some pretty high-level competition, um, and a lot of people don't realize you think Division II, uh, but when you, when you go to watch these games, really the only difference is like the depth at the division two level. Um, like our Friday, uh, we had, uh, my senior year, we had four, four guys on our pitching staff, staff that got drafted by different organizations. And and we had, um, probably eight to 10 guys on our staff that sat above 90 miles an hour. And it was like, we talked about, man, the talent, you know, at this point is off the charts, even at the division two level. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough competition to get your playing time there, but um, it was a really cool experience. I got to play against some of the, the best players in the country and had a really, uh, we didn't win as many games as I would have hoped at, at Rollins, but um, you know, the guys I met, the connections I made ultimately set me up for, for success uh, in my career. So um, really enjoyed that. One of the reasons I picked the school, actually um, a couple former major league GMs that graduated from Rollins. There's a couple like hot hotspots. Um, when, I, when I was doing my research of like how do I, how do I get in the front office? Like where'd Theo Epstein go to school? Where'd all these, where'd all these guys, like what was their path? And um, at the, where it is now, it's a lot of Ivy leaguers. Um, There's a school Amherst up in, up in mass that uh, a lot of, a lot of GMs have come from. Um, And Rollins was one of the small kind of hotbeds down South um, where I got, I got to stay in Florida, go to a really high academic school, play baseball. It was kind of the, you know, the perfect fit for me. So I was fortunate to be able to walk on there. I didn't get a scholarship or anything like that. I, I had to uh, get that on the academic side again, going back to didn't, didn't throw very hard. You know, wasn't the most impressive dude at a, at a showcase or anything like that. So uh, scratch and clawed my way there. Got, got a little bit of playing time, but uh, ultimately, so our CEO at baseball cloud, the guy who started the company back in 2016, 2017, uh, was a baseball player at Rollins and ended up playing in the Houston Astros organization for seven years and um, was a, was a local guy. He actually, so to kind of get off me for, for a second. Um, his, his uh, position after getting done with pro ball was uh, he, he became a financial advisor and ended up building a huge book of business with major league baseball players. So had millions of dollars under his management, Jose Bautista, Freddie Freeman, Jason Award, Dansby Swanson. I mean, you, the list goes on Schwarber, uh, Indiana guy. So he's got, a, had a lot of powerful connections in baseball and started this company. And I, I met him through uh, a Rollins connection that I made. And it kind of just it was perfect timing, man, like right when the company was getting to the point where they were bringing people in, I just graduated and got an internship and ended up being the, the second employee of the company, so um, it looked a lot different back then, it's been a fun ride, but it's really cool kind of just kind of seeing the, the butterfly effect of how everything happened, and you know, for a little bit, I thought I was going to this school, thought I could pitch here, uh, thought I maybe had an offer from here, but it ended up just being, uh, working out perfectly.
1: So you touched on you being the second employee at Baseball Cloud. How much has Baseball Cloud changed since you got there? Like, what did it look like when you first got there? And you know, what does it look like right now? And where do you see it in the future?
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So when I first so, um, you know, like I said, we're, we're not at uh, any, any sort of crazy office yet. But even back then, the first place I showed up to was a warehouse. Like our office was we had a couple offices, um, but it was a warehouse that had a batting cage in it. And at the time I took my internship, the company was still learning about all the hardware that captures the information. Because baseball cards a software company, we we take the information that the radar guns and the cameras capture on what the players are doing. And we turn it into reports and player profiles and things like that. So it was a big learning curve and it was something that was very new to everybody. So we did a lot of like, you know, I, I would show up to work and, uh, you know, hit balls, throw throw balls at, at machines, trying to learn what all the numbers meant, trying to learn what the experience was like for a college or a pro uh, player or coach to get the get the data captured and then see it. So before we can make solutions that people use, we really had to have an understanding of of what the stuff meant and we had to be experts on it ourselves. So that was one one of my first jobs as an intern was setting up the machines, going to capture data at high school games, travel ball games, even setting it up for like batting practice. And it was really like I didn't, you know, I had heard of, you know, Statcast entered MLB in 2015. So as a baseball fan, I knew about exit velocity, spin rate, but I'd never gone down the rabbit hole and it's a it's a deep one, man. Like once you start to learn about the metrics and everything that gets captured, there's a lot to get up to speed on and the goal of the company was to be the experts in the space. So that was like one of the first things we had to do. Um, but yeah, since then the team's grown quite a bit, we're up in, you know, anywhere between probably 20, 30 employees. Now, um, we've got developers all over the country. We've got, um, you know, a couple account managers, we've got all sorts of stuff going on. So the team's grown exponentially since I've come here. Uh, we're in a, we're in a much nicer office now with some air conditioning, not a, not a giant warehouse with a batting cage. Um, so it's, it's night and day, man. It's been, it's been a fun ride though.
1: So where do you see Baseball Cloud going in the future? Like, where, yeah. where are the next steps going?
2: Yeah, so kind of the game plan and how everything unfolded. Um, Major League Baseball, uh, they, through their analytics, through their front office, when we started the company, by that time, uh, they, they really were starting to figure that out themselves. Like, they had their own internal portals that they would house all their information in, and they had all their tools and their analysts, and they would pay hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to developers to build out exactly what they wanted custom to them. So we knew as a startup baseball technology company, we weren't going after major league baseball, uh, kind of the story to back up for a second, how the, how the company got started. So, um, my boss, who I mentioned our CEO as a financial advisor, again, this is, this is a baseball dude, right? Like he, he was a, he was a catcher, minor league catcher, like hustler, like not again, kind of like me, not a big dude, didn't hit home runs, like really had to, to grind his way up. Um, and had that kind of mentality, old school kind of dirt baseball dirtbag mentality, right? Um, so he was one of those guys and ended up uh, through just all of his connections playing, ended up, like I said, building a huge book of business on the financial side. So Jose Bautista, the story kind of starts with him because he was going into an offseason negotiation with Toronto after a couple of his big years and he wanted to get paid big money. And they were fighting him with this data saying that, man, you're getting older, your exit velocities are trending this way, you're, you're swinging and missing a little bit more. So they took the data and kind of spun it against him. And when uh, Kevin, our CEO was in the room with them, seeing all this stuff, hearing what the team was saying, um, you know, he knew that he had to learn more about this information, it just wasn't a fair fight. Like they had access to all this stuff and he'd never even heard of it. Um, so through some of his connections in college baseball that he knew that we're starting to use the analytics, he reached out and was like, hey man, I'm doing this stuff with Jose they're throwing all these heat maps, spray charts, all this stuff at me. I don't know what it is. I know you guys use it at, you know, at the college level. Um, You know, tell me like, what do I need to know? How do I help this guy out? And they told him like at the college level, they didn't have uh, they didn't have the visuals. They didn't have the spray charts, the heat maps, the really cool stuff. All they had was just an Excel sheet that spit out the numbers to them. And it was just this ugly giant. If there was 300 pitches in the game, it was 300 rows, like dozens of columns of, of metrics. it was just this ugly thing that you basically had to be a computer science, like coding guy to make sense of it. So they had in college baseball at the time, there was, you know, it had just rolled out in the big leagues and there was only like the top power five schools were starting to use it. Um, They got the machines, but they didn't have any software. So through that conversation, my boss asked him um, if I made something like the Blue Jays have for college baseball, would that be a good idea? And the guy told him like, if you did that you'd be a billionaire with a B. That's like the quote he always uses. But that kind of sparked his idea, where he said, "Like, dude, there's a massive need at the college level and all the levels below. Because the major league, the major league clubs had the resources, they have the money to make all this stuff, but no one else did. They didn't have the knowledge, they didn't have the budget. So that was kind of our main goal was to start in the college space because that was the immediate need. Um, The 12 year olds, 13 year olds, those guys we're talking about, they didn't know any of this stuff existed yet. So we we wanted to position ourselves in the college market first so that Uh, a year, two years, three years, five years from now, you know, if we've got, if we got the power five schools and we work with the the agents and the clubs and all that stuff, well, everybody in high school is going to believe that what we do is legit. Um, And they're trying to get recruited to go to those schools. So if they know that Vanderbilt, Clemson, uh, those guys are using baseball cloud and they're using analytics, it becomes important to them. They know that they have to do it. They know that they have to go get these numbers captured. Otherwise they're not going to get recruited. And then it just is like that trickle down from there. Um, and, and we've seen it, it's, it's grown rapidly. Um, the technology just keeps getting cheaper and cheaper. So um, yeah, the initial goal with Baseball Cloud was to get as many of the colleges we could to use our product and to use our, our analytics. And then the end goal is uh, let's get all these, all these you know, 400, 500,000 uh, uh, amateur baseball and softball players that are trying to play in college, trying to play professionally. Um, let's get them profiles and get them fitted out too. Our job isn't to make it as cool or as fancy or as in-depth as possible. It's to make it usable. And it's and the end goal of our company is to help players get better and to help teams win games. So when you boil it down to that, I can throw a bunch of cool stuff at you. But if you don't know how to use it and find the answers to the questions you're looking for, then we haven't done our job. So when it comes down to it, it's not about how do I make this spray chart or heat map look the coolest? How do I make a 3D interface that shows the pitches coming in and the batted balls going out? and making it look cool, like MLB The Show, stuff like that. Like, that's all cool. But, like, what the coaches and the players want, they want to boil it down to what pitches do I hit the hardest? Uh, if, if I'm a pitcher, what sequences work the best for me? Like, when I throw my fastball here, do I get swings and misses or do I do I give up line drives and home runs? So that's the stuff we have to help them find as quick as possible because when you're trying to make adjustments on the fly from game to game, from a Friday night game to a Saturday morning game, like, they need answers to these questions quickly so they can jump back in and, and go out and kick ass the next day using the using the numbers they got the night before.
0: Yeah, like so, it's uh, nice for it's nice for like the fans to have the visuals, but then the players are just like, just give me the data. Like that's exactly. all. I just need the answers.
2: Yeah, and that's what we saw on the big league side. You know, where this all started in 2015 was StatCast and the way major league organizations were doing it. Um, it was all for fan engagement at first. That's like why they implemented it at the major league level. They wanted, you know, fans to see how fast guys were running, how, how far they were hitting the ball, all that stuff when teams started to get a hold of the data, they realized how valuable it was. And they were able to, they were able to make decisions off of it and predict player value and, you know, and change their defensive positioning, all sorts of stuff, all off of that information. But where MLB got it wrong at first was they were, they were keeping this stuff from the players. They were almost using it against the players to the point where if I'm, you know, if I'm playing in an organization, I wouldn't even see my data, but I know my, my GM, my front office had it and they were just going to use it when I was a free agent to to devalue me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so the teams that were the first to to really use the data and provide it to the player and helping them get better, the Rays, the Astros, the Dodgers, Yankees. There's a couple at the top um, compared to others, and the rest of them have had to catch up in the last five years. But those, uh, you know, there's there's been books written about you know Houston how they went from last place to becoming. And I know it's it's a different conversation with those guys now with everything that happened. But one thing they did really well, better than anyone at first, was they gave this information to the players and they did a really good job of explaining it to them, what, what all this stuff means and how they can use it on the mound. And they were always the most prepared dudes when they went out to pitch and, and all that stuff, regardless of what happened, that's just one example. There's millions of them, but yeah. yeah, So like, that's kind of our thing. We wanted, you know, when, when we entered, uh, when we started the business, it was like, we want this to be for the players. Um, Not, not for, not just for the coaches, not just for the, the general managers, but we want the players to be empowered by it and use it to get better. Like, Growing up, like, playing baseball, I never had access to any of it. I I would have loved to to see how this could have helped me if I had this information, especially in college.
0: Yeah. So kind of just going off real quick what you were just saying, Um, I think it's, like, really interesting because, like, my little brother, he would play, like, travel baseball, and he was only, like, 10, 11 years old. But, like, mm-hmm. the, the one organization that he was part of, like, it, when they're in the cages, they have, like, all this, like – um. Just all this data that they can use, like yeah. velocity off the bat. You know, um, why can't that, like yeah,
2: bat speed? Like, there's sensors you put on the knob and it tracks how your bat's moving. All that stuff.
0: It's just like they have everything that you like. You would see like watching a major league baseball game, and I'm like, they're ten years old. Like when I was ten, I had nothing. Like I was just out there exactly. just swinging.
2: And that's that's the other thing too. When it goes back to you know people saying like this stuff's a bunch of bullshit. Like, are we really getting exit velocities on ten year olds? Like this is a joke. These kids are like having. So we're we're kind of like. We have to toe that line of, you know, eventually, like starting in the college space and working with pro teams and all that stuff that we do, agencies, all that stuff. The end goal with this is to capture like that mass market, like that the teams you you just talked about, your brother's team, that is hitting in the cage and they have data being captured. How can we how can we attack, you know, the the half million uh, kids that are playing baseball? I mean, that's where the business is. There's only thirty big league teams. There's only a couple hundred schools that would use it. So like at the end of the day, if we're trying to go. Uh, you know go to the moon with this company as everyone likes to say we've got to make sure we provide something of value to the mass market like people like that um, so that's one thing like man when you're when you're that young it's really about trying to you're trying to have fun you're a kid you're playing baseball so how can we gamify it like we've got and that's that's something we're working on right now like we've got products that you know big league teams are using that's like a 3d baseball where you can put your grips on and track uh, how you're releasing it you're spinning it all of that stuff like we're, we're, we're going down the road of how do we make this same product cool and usable for a 10 year old? Cause that's way too advanced. But mm-hmm. like, if I'm a 10 year old and I'm throwing a bullpen or if I'm getting a pitching lesson, how cool would it be to have a TV set up next to the mound? And if I threw my hardest pitch of, of the bullpen, like you've got like fire emojis coming up, or you've got some big leaguer coming on the screen, telling them good job or whatever the case might be. Like that's kind of, that's kind of the stuff we're we're working towards is like, how do we make it cool? Not too complicated, but make it fun for the little guys. And then as they grow up through the game and then, okay, now I'm a serious high school prospect. I'm trying to play Clemson. I'm trying to play at LSU. Well, at that point, you've got to kind of step up and, and really use it as, as more of a a training tool as opposed to just having fun with it. So it's kind of, you know, the, the, the goals of what the data does, it kind of changes as you, as you grow up as a player. For sure. Um, That's kind of our vision though, in the next 10 years, like we would love to see you know, a kid who made a baseball cloud profile and started doing that kind of stuff when he was 10, 11, 12. And then he was getting data tracked through, maybe his high school had it, maybe he went to a perfect game tournament and they had data there. And he can just follow his whole career on baseball cloud all the way up through where he played in high school, college, travel ball. And you can just kind of see how you progress year to year. Like, man, this is when I made my big jump in velocity this summer. I can see it like outing to outing. I went, I had a growth spurt. I, I, I changed my, my wind up or whatever. And I just like, you can go back and, and see all that stuff. Um, So we think that's going to be really cool in the future when it gets to that point.
0: For sure. I mean, this is all like great stuff. I mean, it's just setting up the next generation of players to just be the best possible athletes or baseball players that they can be. So there's nothing wrong with that
2: exactly. for sure. Exactly. And as someone who went through the recruiting process, you know, that's something we're trying to improve too. Like knowing where you, where you're a good fit. I know that's every time you go on a visit, you know, the school is going to tell you, they're going to give you a whole run around. You're going to play, you're going to start whatever, whether that ends up happening or not, you never know. But if you're aware of your abilities as a player, like I know I could have never, you know, I could have never uh, pitched for the Yankees or been in the starting rotation at Vanderbilt. I never had the stuff for it, but I I felt I was good enough at my division two program to contribute and be a good pitcher there. And that was just, I had to, I had to know all that just by knowing baseball, watching the games, knowing the talent level um, guys that I played with kind of seeing how good they were compared to where I were, uh, where I was at. But that's the stuff we can do now, like uh, we're seeing at the college level, like they'll run camps and turn the machines on and use baseball cloud reports. So like if I'm a 15 year old and my goal is to play, uh, you know, at University of Michigan, I can go to their camp, leave with a baseball cloud report, and it'll tell me where did I rank in the camp next to all the prospects that are trying to go there? Where's my uh, fastball spin rate compared to the Friday night guy at Michigan? Like if my goal is to hit cleanup for these guys or if my goal is to be the closer like I should know how far I have to go, you know, hard numbers, like see where I'm at. Um I think a lot of people have and parents especially have a have a a different idea of where their where their players are at compared to what the numbers would say. And that's one of the coolest things about it, man, that the data, the numbers don't lie. You can't really spin them. it's it is what it is.
1: you sure. talk about how at different levels, like kids kind of focus on different stats, i I saw a quote from I think the Illinois coach, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if I'm that's right he was talking about how in high school he's looking for a junior or senior going into or a junior, going into a senior year, being able to pitch 85 to 86. And then he's going to know that he's going to be able to develop them. Right. What different age levels do you look like using this data for like baseball cloud at 12 years old, what data is useful for a 12 year old? Cause you know that you're not going to, you're still growing, obviously. So you know that you're not going to be able to get that velocity Mm -hmm. up to whatever it may be at for that kid at that. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah, like those things you mentioned. So much of it's dictated. A lot of it off, you know, physicality of guys. And like you said, when you're 12, you're gonna be a different human being when you're 13, 14. Even when you're from uh, 16 to 17, I mean, guys, you know, have have these spurts. They get, they start lifting. They get stronger. So I would say, as far as the the velocities and things like that, those are those are ones that are a little bit tougher to control. You know, if you're a 12 year old and you're uh, four feet tall and and 90 pounds, right? Like you're not you're you're not gonna have you're not going to be able to compare yourself in terms of velocity or in terms of exit velocity or batted ball distance. You can't compare yourself to the guy who's, you know, maybe already going through that, that first growth spurt. He's already, you see the little league world series now, man, that, I mean, one, one their leadoff hitters at the plate. He's five foot two, the cleanup hitters at the plate. He's six, five, he's got like a five o'clock shadow. So it's like, <laughs> at that age, bro, it's like, it's all over the board. So one thing I think is really important. The data also tells you is how how often am i throwing strikes like how often am i striking out do i do i put the ball in play do i make contact when there are runners on base do i get the runs home that's all data just as much as velocity and distance and spin rate and all that stuff that's all important stuff too because i know like when i was growing up when the first thing i had to you, you got to learn how to throw strikes before okay well if you can't if you can't throw uh you know two out of 10 pitches in the strike zone like you don't even have to worry about throwing a slider or a curveball yet you've got to be able to to get on the mound and have confidence that you can throw your fastball for strikes. And that's gotta be number one. So I would say, depending on the kid, it's always a little bit different, but I would say that the younger you go, the more you want to focus on things like on the baseball side, less on the physical side. Um, You know, am I striking out? Am I hitting line drives or am I hitting a bunch of ground balls or whatever you're trying to accomplish? It'll tell you all of that stuff too.
0: So when we talk about like stats like this, like baseball cloud and just like any other tracking websites organizations out there Mm -hmm. um do you think that for players that aren't as like physically gifted in the baseball field like it helps them so like someone that comes to mind is like someone like Marcus Stroman who's he's only like five seven but we know like Stroman's work ethic and like the way that he uses analytics and stuff is just like on another level he just completely Mm -hmm. like has revamped his game to be able to compete at you know, someone somewhat like, somewhat like Noah Syndergaard, who's six seven, can throw 100 miles per hour, and it's just easy right. to him. Someone like Stroman, who's a little bit smaller, he needs to – everything needs to be perfect in his mechanics and, you know, with his spin rates and stuff to get out. And, you know, he's a big ground ball pitcher. So do you think, yep. like, these type of organizations are just – they give an advantage to players that aren't as physically maybe talented totally. as others?
2: Totally. That's a great question. And that's another – when I talk about misconceptions of the data over the years, that's been one thing you hear a lot. You get this sentiment like – you know, this data, you know, this exit velocity, velocity, spin rate, this is all a joke, man. Like, I hear, you know, older guys talk all the time. Well, Greg Maddox could have never pitched today because he didn't throw 95 miles per hour. Or, um, you know, Ichiro wouldn't have gotten a look because, you know, he can't, he can't hit exit velocity at 120 miles an hour. Like, you hear these comments all the time. And that's, I think, the problem is, is the, the lack of education where data isn't just like what we talked about, all the Noah Syndergaard throwing 100, hitting 500-foot home runs. The data also shows you, in your example, Stroman's a great one because he throws a lot of strikes. He lives in the bottom of the strike zone. He gets a ton of ground balls. And it'll also show from a stuff perspective, like, his, his like, sinkers change up. Like, it moves at ridiculous rates. So just because, uh, you know, your velocity may not be tops in the league, your horizontal break, so how much, how much your pitches are running away from hitters, that might be top, you know, that uh, might be in the 99th percentile of baseball. So what's, what's cool about these machines, they've advanced to the point where you're capturing uh, data, not just, not just the stuff you're used to, the velocities, you're actually capturing where the pitches are located. So a guy like a Jamie Moyer or a Greg Maddox, these guys um, that, come, that, that never threw hard, but they always seem to get a bunch of outs and win a lot of games, the data would back them up too. It would show that they had value. Um, if you if you sorted the you know the rankings by velocity they'd be all the way at the very bottom but a lot of things that they do really well would show up would show up also and that's that's one of my favorite parts about it as as a former pitcher who didn't throw hard like my game was you know i was a left-handed pitcher that threw like 75% breaking balls in college i was curveball slider would mix in a fastball changeup like i didn't throw hard so i had to find other ways to be successful and i think the data would have shown you know when i was at my best it would have shown that I was hitting my spots every time. I was, uh, I was sequencing really well. I wasn't leaving, breaking pitches up in the strike zone to get hit out of the park. Like it would have shown all that stuff. But yeah, that's a great question. Like I, especially, you know, like I said, with my background, I always love to find value in guys that maybe aren't your stereotypical John uh, Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge type guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, baseball are just, there's like this big misconception that, you know, if you're coming out throwing 100, you're going to be good. And like we've just seen countless pitchers that yeah you can you can bring it up there at 99 100 but if you can't locate you can't um, keep the ball down in the zone you can't like pitch inside of players like you're not going to get out to major league baseball like the base the hitters are just as good as the pitchers so if you're leaving 100 you know up over the plate they're taking you you know 425 the straightaway center so it doesn't matter
2: these guys are good enough man they'll adjust to whatever you got and if you can't if you can't execute a game plan you're you're going to get hurt Um, and that's something, I mean, you're seeing it all at all levels now. I mean, there there are 16 year olds throwing, uh, you know, 95 miles an hour. That's like physically, that's where with the training and everything that's available to these guys, that's where it's gotten now. Um, and it's, it's really, you know, that used to set you apart that used to virtually guarantee you a spot on a big league roster, but now you've got to really bring it in other areas. You've got to have the work ethic. You've got to have, you've got to have the smarts, um, you know, going out there and, and approaching the game the right way, all the stuff that, the old school guys love to talk about the intangibles. Those are Mm. as important as ever because these, the talent is just at a stupid level and it's only going to keep getting better.
0: Well, my last thing about that is that I think it's making the game better because if like you just had anybody that was throwing just a hundred and they were like guaranteed a spot because not a lot of guys were doing it, then like if they still weren't that good at locating their pitches, like we were talking about, then, you know, maybe they shouldn't deserve a roster spot. But now that since everybody can do it and, the people that are getting roster spots now are the people that can locate their pitches, have good spin rates. We're getting like the best baseball players now and the best baseball possible.
2: Right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And that's something too, where the, the guys who do hit those big numbers, those high velocity guys, they're still going to have the benefit of the doubt to some degree, because the data does show that if you can spot that hundred miles an hour, well now it's game over, right? I mean, you become, when you when you've got the high end stuff and you've got the high end execution you become Jacob deGrom you become Garrett Cole like you get to that uh, 40 million dollar a year level so i think there's still that aspect of well if this guy throws 100 but he totally sucks he he gets hit all over the yard he walks everybody well he's he's going to still probably linger around a little bit longer because everybody still thinks man if we get this guy right if we can if we can get him to repeat his delivery and he starts he starts throwing strikes like we got something here so that's where like when those guys struggle, they still kind of, they, they tend to get that, you know, that extra love where it's like, all right, we're not releasing this guy yet. He's got something that's really special and we're going to try to maximize it. Whereas if you don't have the stuff and you don't, and you don't execute it and you're not having success, well, there's less of a reason to keep you around. So I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that like velocity exit velocity, things like that don't matter. Those are tools and those are things that are highly sought after and they'll, they'll keep you around a while when, when you're not playing so well, but. Ultimately, like you said, man, you got to get it done in the games when it matters.
1: Of course.
0: So when we talk, like you just talked a little bit about um, before they had like base, uh, baseball cloud or like the heat maps and like mm-hmm. the things to make it all look nice. It was just really like Excel sheets. Um, yeah. And I can we-
2: pull one up if you guys want to see it. I don't know if that, if that, For sure. uh,
0: yeah. For sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: That'll, if you want to enable the screen sharing, Braden, I'll, I'll get some stuff pulled up to maybe make it a little bit uh, visually better. Yeah. You guys will see it when you first uh, – when I first pull this up, you'll be like, dude, like, how could anyone even get any value out of it? Um, it's just really, really messy, dense, the whole bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was – you know, you, you're having uh, 40, 50-year-old baseball guys trying to figure out how to learn SQL and R and Python to try to like basically give average spin rate to their pitchers because they knew it was important. They just didn't know how to use
0: it. Well, that's kind of where my question was going to go. Um, yeah, let me. Did pull this. you did you do anything uh, with like R, Python, etc. Like, do you, mm-hmm. like when you were in uh, college, did you like kind of? learn it a little bit? Or like, are you learning it more now? Or is it kind of like, you don't even really need it at this point? So
2: Yeah, good question. I skipped over that pretty important part. So my my major in college was, uh, I had two majors, business management and economics. Um, I thought that was like the way to go. I was a little uneducated in like the trends of where baseball was headed. If I, if I could go do it over again, I probably would have thrown like a computer science minor in there to learn how to code because I'm seeing how important it is. Luckily, I'm in a position now where I'm more customer facing and I don't have to do all the development. We've got guys that are much better and smarter than me that have been doing that for years um, that handle all that stuff. So luckily, um, it would have been a nice skill set to have, but I don't use that day-to-day. So this is like the the sheet that I'm telling you about. So like this was a game, it looks like, yeah, a 2019 game between Georgia and Vanderbilt. There you go, here's Kumar Rocker, um, started for Vandy that day. Um, But all of this stuff during a game, there's someone up in the press box tagging it, telling the machine who's hitting, who's pitching. And then they've got to tell them, Uh, was it a fastball slider curveball, changeup? They got to tag the pitches. Then they've got to tell the machine that was a foul ball. That was uh, a ball in play fly, fly out. So all of that stuff is tagged by a person. And then this is where the data starts. Um, so it just goes, so this is like, this is why our company exists because we had baseball people trying to figure out how to get value out of this. And this is like the ugliest, like dumbest thing ever to have to go in and and hit equals average on velocity and sort and filter and all this stuff. It's, it's garbage. So, you know, we, we built the thing where you can drop this Excel file in and it turns it into something pretty that, that baseball guys can actually talk about.
0: It's just so crazy to look at this. It's just so much data that I don't know when you like are just watching a game, especially if you're, I mean, I don't mean this in like a bad term, if you're just like a casual yeah, and you don't really like, you don't really think there's so much behind each pitch. You just think, oh, this man's just throwing a baseball to a batter. But there's yep. just so much that goes behind it. And I don't know. I mean, just that Excel sheet kind of shows it. It's just – it's insane. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. And that's kind of where we, we had to get it to the point where, like, there were Power Five, you know, Division one baseball players that they had, you know, these machines up at their park. And uh, it was – they were – after every game, they would just – you know, their coaches would send them um, – just a a group of their Excel files. So that was the data they had access to. Um, And, you know, that was the only option back then. Like they were lucky to, you know, to even get that, like that, that was like the high end of college baseball was the players are getting those Excel sheets. So we got it to the point where now if I'm a college baseball player, I log in, I've got all of my games up here on baseball cloud. And I've got all of my data here, all my spray charts, heat maps and all that stuff. So this is where you can start to go down the road of, you know, I want to see all my pitches that I threw to left-handed hitters in two strike counts. And I want to see, did I put those in good spots? Well, you can go to filters and you can, you can find all that information. You can hover over pitches and learn about the the velocity and spin rate. And I could spend like two hours with you guys just on, on the cloud stuff. And I won't do that. I know we got, we got limited time, but it just, it just goes, you know, we're just trying to answer as many questions as possible for these guys. So instead of them having to look at, uh, 20 Excel files for their, their 20 starts over a season. It's just all thrown in here and they can see all their pitches in one place and, and learn what they do well, what they don't do well and try to get better
0: from it. Would you say that the major league baseball version is like something like baseball savant?
2: Yeah, that's it. So that we get a lot of inspiration from savant. So savant, like we kind of touched on savant's made primarily for fan engagement, but it does mm-hmm. a lot of stuff really well from the development side. It, like when we talk about answering questions about your performance, Like whenever I want to learn about a player, I go to baseball savant. So that's Mm. a, that's a great example. And that's where all the data lives. Um, All 30 major league baseball teams have their own internal baseball savant where they store all of their stuff and all their proprietary stats, formulas, information on players, contracts, you name it. Um, So we, that's a, that's a great thing to bring up. Um, Anyone watching this that's interested in data analytics and on the baseball side that wants to get into it, baseball savant's the first place to start um major league baseball has done a great great job of making all this information available to fans and making it a really cool experience um, but even baseball savant if you took your average college baseball coach player and took him to savant it would be a lot for them to handle
0: it's so, so we try nice.
2: to we try to take we try to even yeah even for even for fans like us who are really into it it's a lot um there's stuff that i i can't find i can't navigate it at times and I, i'm literally in the industry so there's a lot there so our goal with cloud where some of the stuff on savant might be cooler. Our goal wasn't to make it cool. It was to make it usable and make it to where they can find the information they're looking for.
0: Well, I know on, I, I mean, you can kind of see it on your website too and baseball yep. savant. Like when you just bring up a player in the top, right, it has like um, their percentile rankings. Yeah. But, and I don't even necessarily know what all of them mean, but I know what colors mean. Like if you're red, you're like the redder, the mean. more red you are, the better you are, the more blue that you are, the worse you are. So right. like, if I'm just like sending something to like, my family's group chat are talking about like, I don't know, Jacob deGrom, whatever. And I'm just like, he's really red. That's good. I don't know what it means, but it's good. So like it's, it's good. color coding things. Like it's that helps out like the casual fans or like people that don't know, but like, even like someone like us, like, like you said, it's, it's still a lot for us even.
2: And it's easy to get caught up, especially like in, in the world that I live in like baseball Twitter, there's a lot of like ego involved. Everyone wants to be the smartest dude in the room. Everyone wants to make the coolest shit, like make it flashy, make it this, make it that. At the end of the day, if it's not helping players get better, if they don't know what it means, then it's worthless. Like, it's cool, but it's worthless. And and we're not trying to make stuff that's worthless. And like you said, a big thing to focus on, colors. Like, big text, big, this is like red, bad, green, good. Red, good, (laughs) blue, bad. Like, honestly, not that all these guys are dummies, but really, you only have so much time in the day as a a baseball coach or a player, especially on the college side. They've got all this stuff to do. Plan for practice, recruit, manage budgets, all that stuff they don't have time to learn, you know, they don't have time to spend eight hours a day after work trying to learn about all this stuff. We've got to put it in their face and make it like they know exactly what they're going to do the next day at practice to make these guys better because they got on baseball cloud and they learned this guy is struggling with this. So we're going to go in the cage and work on this for two hours. Like it's got to be like that.
0: Yeah. So kind of switching gears a little bit, keep it baseball related. Yeah. Um, are you a Reds fan still, or now that you live in Florida, are you like a uh, fan of like a team down there?
2: Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of all over the board at this point. So my dad, yeah, I was, I was a Reds fan from birth. Um, my mom's side of the family's got Philly ties. So that's where I'm a diehard Eagles fan, but the oh. Phillies that follow. Um, so Reds and Phillies, like kind of my childhood teams. And now that I'm down in Florida, uh, Dunedin, where I lived in Dunedin was only about 25 minutes from the trop. So I'd go, you know, you know how the trop is, man. It's like, buy a ticket for $10 by Dr. Pepper for 10. And you're like, good to go for the night. Yep. Man. Especially as a high school kid. As soon as we could drive, we were just heading over to, to the chop. We could afford it, go over, watch baseball. So I never thought I would end up being a Rays fan, but I, I followed them so closely since I moved down. Those are, those are my guys now. And I yeah. also, as, as a baseball nerd, I've always liked how they go about their business. Um, sure. The fact that they can make a consistently competitive team every single season with the resources they have is unbelievable um and that's you know you can learn a lot from teams like that so I always I always thought that was cool um and I kind of fell in love with the team when I got down here
0: yeah so what do you think about just like the landscape of baseball right now I mean like where the standings sit um I mean talking about the Reds a little bit uh they're they're making a nice little push for the wild card The, the Padres have a tough schedule down the stretch so yeah
2: yeah, absolutely, dude. No, it's baseball's in a great place. Um, you know, you've got your teams that, you know, that sold at the deadline that are, you know, like your, the Cubs fans, I feel bad for, I know a lot of them. Um, so, you know, you've got some teams going through that, but no, like it, it's very, it's very stacked at the top. Uh, I follow the ALEs pretty closely. Um, the Yankees are coming on now. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping the Rays can hold them off, but we'll see if, if their team, you know, glass now went down, they don't have Snell or Morton like they did last year. So, the team, I don't, in my opinion, isn't built as well for a playoff run as they were last year. They don't have the horses, so we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, man, it's cool. I mean, the Reds the Reds are fun, dude. Like, Jonathan India is on fire. It's it's cool mm-hmm. to see the young guys stepping up at this point. And um, I see the Mets flag back there. I'm, I'm heartbroken about about uh, DeGrom. I need to see him back soon because they you know, need him desperately.
0: Well, I mean, we need him. Baseball needs him. Just yeah. he's in the middle of a historic season. And, like, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't think he's going to probably pitch the rest of the year. I, I just think that the Mets, this stretch of games against the Dodgers and the Giants, like, it's it's tough. I mean, they've dropped four straight now. And it's just, the Phillies are playing well and they have, two, like I think, 24 games left of teams under 500. And I just don't see how the Mets are going to be able to stay afloat. And at that point, there's no point in bringing Jacob back and risking anything. Just get them healthy for next year, make some moves in the offseason yeah. and kind of move yeah, on. No
2: doubt. They've, they've got a fun uh, middle infield now with Hobby too. It's like Team Puerto Rico up there. I know, um, Hopefully.
0: Uh, Hopefully they they bring him back. We'll see.
2: No doubt, no doubt. Oh,
0: I mean, man. I know I, Braden's yeah, I, team. Braden, yeah, you Braden made a. The Dodgers made a you know the biggest splashes of the deadline. So Braden's all excited. They win every game and they're they're great. <laughs> but whatever. The yeah, NL
1: West and the AL East are insane right now. The NL West is annoying because the Giants just piece together these games, and it's just like <laughs> the Dodgers get one back, and then the Giants fucking take two. The uh, the Giants yeah, make awful. no sense.
0: Like you look at the yeah. Giants roster, and you're just like. Why they're are like, they
2: good? They're like, they're like the Rays of the NL this year. They're doing yeah. it. They're doing it with these guys you've never heard of or just guys, maybe a little journeyman. I think I saw uh, watching the game last night, They, I believe I saw a pop-up that they've got the oldest average roster in, in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. Like They've got guys that have been around, like my guy Longo, you know, guys yeah. like, like good, good veteran presence. They're still playing at a high level. Buster Posey, like guys like that. I mean, they've got the leadership. The young guys are stepping up, so – I'm excited for them. I like to root for teams like that. No offense to Braden, you know, I give them a hard time in the group chats all the time about the Dodgers stacking up, and they're they're fun and good for baseball too. But you know, yeah. like just at the, the Rays fan in me, uh, you know, the fan of the little guy in me likes to pull for a team where it's like, you know, you've got a dude like uh, what's his name, Logan Webb pitching against Max Scherzer. You know, I'd like to see a dude like that, you know, uh, carve and, and give the, you know, the other team a chance to win. But and he,
0: I mean, he's having a great year too. It's just yeah. they're just. Every, they're getting production out of everyone like there's nobody on their roster right now that's just not coming through in big spots it's you know it's unreal i mean we thought gabe kapler when he was with philly was like the worst yeah. manager ever and he might i mean hey, it, he, it might prove that the manager not. he i mean it also might prove that the manager might not mean as much as uh you know some think that it might yeah, be a lot of analytics really like,
2: yeah clearly created a good culture there probably mm-hmm. relies a lot i mean Dude, when you've got to do like Buster Posey with all his rings and experience, I mean, we've got a guy like that in the clubhouse, Longoria, now like Chris Bryant, like guys who have won and tasted success and the young guys can feed off of them. It just makes your job as a manager easier. I don't, I don't think like he had so, uh, he wasn't so luxurious in Philly the time he was there. But right. yeah, good for him, man. It's, it's cool to see a guy like that bounce back and, and have success right away. It's easy to think after a season like that where you're like, dude, am I cut out for this? Like that was just a total shit show. But when you go over to a next spot and just start start doing that, that's gotta feel good.
0: Especially with the team that a lot of people would have, you know, said that they were easily going to be the third best team, fourth best team in that division. So, right. they were after, off. Yeah,
1: percent they're written off. We're I wouldn't have 72 even. Seventy-two wins. I wouldn't even given them a second look before the season, thinking that huh. they would have contended.
2: No, most people weren't. So it's yeah, I, I love stories like that, dude. There's so many storylines out in baseball right now. Every night there's something cool to watch. Um, and like we talked about with the talent level, man, it's like, even, even in the back end of games that you think are boring, you still got guys you've never heard of coming out, throwing 99 with a 20 inch of horizontal break slider, like stuff you've never even seen before in your life. And you're like, who the hell is this guy? Oh, he's 21 years old. Okay. That makes me feel really good about myself. Like that, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the talents, the talents, ridiculous, um, the more baseball can do, uh, along the lines of the Field of Dreams game, the better it's going to be. I mean, that was an outstanding uh, night, and I know the ratings were, were awesome, but the more they can keep fans into it, do some new creative stuff like that, market the players really well. Um, you know, they've got a, a tall task when it comes to getting young people interested, but um, I think things like that are only going to be uh, better and better for the game. If yeah, the game's
1: sure. in good hands right now, especially with the young players like Shohei, Acuna, yeah. and Tatis, and all them, but then you also have the game in the hands of Rob Manfred, who's we're going to jump into another topic, which which is spin rates for this season. So, <laughs> yeah. right, as I know that we've had this conversation in the group chat, but what's your thoughts on spin rates for this season? Because I know that spin rates have dropped dropped significantly, and you said that it's... you're a baseball nerd, of course. So, sure, I know you probably um. have a pretty strong opinion on that uh,
2: you know what it, it it definitely got to the point where like because this is something that's in the rule book but it was just overlooked like we just know guys do it. it it is what it is it definitely got to the point with some of the substances like you're looking at like spider tack and things like that where it became less about like pitchers really just trying to find a grip was more about like they want to throw strikes and they want to not have the ball slip out of their hands when you know they're pitching uh in the middle of july and it's 100 degrees and they're sweating and they've got rosin and they're just trying to get a grip on the ball but I think it did get to the point, like guys are starting to get uh, millions of dollars worth of contracts based on numbers like spin rate. So of course that's going to lead us down the road of, dude, how do I get better spin rate? How do I, like, if I just get to here, I'm going to get paid, right? So same same type of stuff with like the, the roids and stuff like that is almost like, I'm going to do whatever I can while it's the Wild West to get paid to be as nasty as possible to get paid as much as possible. So I, I agree that I think uh, the line was crossed when it came to substances and it was getting to the point where it was less about controlling the pitches and more about like, like really they they had a competitive advantage against the hitters. But what I didn't like about how it was handled was the fact that it was implemented in the middle of the season. Um, And uh, the uh, Trevor Bauer, which I know that's a cuss word right now, but um, you know, Bauer bringing up a a lot of points about in the off season, when this was discussed, the pitchers and the players association was told that this was something that was, uh, they were going to collect baseballs this year. They were going to do like, like what I do data collection, try to figure out, uh what what stuff was being used what impact it had they were told we're just gonna we're gonna toss some baseballs out we're gonna run tests we're gonna get a full season's worth of information and then when the collective bargaining agreement rolls around in the offseason when we can meet on this stuff we're gonna come to a decision about what the rules are going to be moving forward and what the punishment's going to be that's what those guys were told so the entire offseason they were business as usual throwing their bullpens uh throwing in spring training games with the same stuff they'd always use whether they were cheating not cheating whether it was sunscreen, whether it was uh, Elmer's glue, whatever the whatever the fuck they're using now, um, they they were all using the same stuff they always did. And for that for them to just drop the hammer like that mid season and say, you know, starting in two weeks, if there's any any shit on the ball, you're you're gone for ten games. Um, that's what I have a problem with. I think it should have waited till the off season. Um, and as a Rays fan, I'm incredibly biased to see. You know, Glass now said it it threw him off um, having to switch his routine. He was he was a, I think, sweat, sunscreen, and rosin guy. So he would spray the sunscreen on, get a little bit of tack, and then and then go. Um, and that was all, you know, according to him. So just as a, as a fan and wanting to believe these guys are, like, telling the truth, when he says that uh, he just quit cold turkey because he didn't want to get suspended, and he felt things differently in his arm, and it ultimately he thinks maybe not led to an injury because, like he said, he goes, I'm 6'7", and I throw 100 miles an hour, like, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong when you're, when you're that powerful doing that kind of thing. So it wasn't the cause of the injury. Did I think it play a part? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, these, these athletes are like fine-tuned machines, man. Like the way, the way uh, things happen, like in your elbow, different ligaments, muscles, the littlest adjustment, uh, whether it's like the texture of the baseball or like the hole you're stepping in in the mound, like little stuff like that um, has a big impact on on how you feel. Um, So, I, I really don't like the way it was rolled out. I wish they would have waited. I think where they're at in the off season, with having to do a new agreement with the Players Association and the league, I think it was a perfect time to address it. And the fact that they just rolled that out, I think, was total bullshit, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely agree. I thought the big thing that Tyler Glass now said that um, I kind of agreed with was with him completely just stopping using any type of uh, substances, it made him feel like he had to grip the ball tighter and like you said, just like those little like things that you're changing in your yeah. delivery or how you even how you even grip a baseball. Like that right. can that can really like fuck up your arm or, you know, Dude. really anything. So, like, I think people that kind of just threw that under the rug, I was like, well, you're not the six, seven machine that throws was 100 and, you know, is like these athletes are just they're physical specimens. Like we have no clue what they like feel on an everyday basis right. and how my, like everything I, needs to be perfect. And,
2: and having arguments about it, just, just amongst friends, my, my washed up guy example was bro, go, go to top golf and try to swing without your clubs and no glove. And it's, and it's rainy or sweaty or whatever. And you're trying to take golf swings with these, like these whack-ass clubs and you don't have a grip and you feel like you're slipping and you're in, you know, in tennis shoes, you're not at the golf course. Like even something like that, as an athlete, you guys know playing sports, if you don't even like based on like the shoes you're wearing, bro, like if you, if you don't have, if you're, if you're playing basketball in the gym and you're slipping all over the place, it changes how you cut. It changes how you move. And it's like, there's a lot of, I think um, you know, parallels in with this example in baseball that, you know, you get used to doing things a certain way. You get used to equipment um, that you use, allowing you to make certain movements or do certain things. And it's the same thing with as a hitter. If, if hitters weren't allowed to have pine tar, they've got to grip the bat tighter. They, they probably feel like if, you know, you can't take a full swing if you feel like you're going to throw it into the third row every time you're taking a hack, right? So you see guys all the time. They break a bat, bat boy brings out a new one. What's the first thing they do? They go to the on-deck circle, they fucking lather it up, you know, rosin, big, you know, get it, get it to where they're, you know, feeling good. I mean, that's, uh, feel is like one of the biggest things. And it, when you're playing at that high of a level, to, to screw with that in the middle of the season, I think was just, it was just completely wrong.
0: For sure. Is
1: this going to be, do you think this is going to be looked at as? like how steroids are looked at like how people look back at Barry Bonds career now and go well he was using steroids for every single one of his home runs like obviously like Trevor there's videos of Trevor Bauer obviously using sticky stuff of when he was on the red so like do you think that this is going to be looked at as now his Cy Young is a little bit tainted because of this ruling and moving forward there isn't Going to be any pine tar or any sticky stuff allowed? Yeah. So that's not going to be allowed in baseball. I can't.
2: I can't speak for everybody. Me personally, um, I'm not going to look at these guys any differently. Like that, you hear it all the time. Like if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. It's been exactly. cheating's been a, cheating's been a part of baseball since its inception, man. I like mean, you guys, guys throwing in the early 1900s were are spitting on the ball, where uh, we're you know, rubbing it up, you know, scratching it up, so they could get you know a little bit extra on their two seam. All the way up through the history of baseball, you've got guys. Um, you know, doing manipulating the baseball, doing all sorts of stuff to try to get an edge. Um, Same thing. I mean, like the steroids argument, like one of my favorite comedians, Bill Burr, he does a bit where he's like, okay, okay. Guys in the nineties use steroids. He's like, what about the dudes in the seventies that were like totally coked up? They were out there. He goes, they were out there in the 13th inning after an eight hour road trip. And they were like fired up. Like I can see every (laughs) stitch of the ball. He's like, you're telling me that's not like, he's like, how is that any less of an advantage than, you know, getting strong and doing all that stuff. So I think it would be hypocritical for people to say, you know, someone like Bauer or someone like Garrett Cole shouldn't be looked at the same as, you know, maybe someone, uh, you know, like the legends. I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, who, who were those, who those guys were specifically, but I know there are a lot of hall of famers that probably did things that, uh, you know, they shouldn't have done according to the rule book. So personally, I mean, you've got all the, all the hot take people on Twitter are going to say shit like that, but personally, I don't think you know it's just an era of baseball it's just it's it's the era they they played in and I feel the same way about the steroid guys but we can we can talk about that later
0: yeah I mean the whole like cheating in baseball like you still have to be good at baseball like for like steroids to work you can't just be like absolutely ass like just because you get a little bigger doesn't mean that you're actually going to be able to like read a curveball out of the pitcher's hand and be able to hit it so like I don't know like someone like Barry Bonds I mean, I love Barry Bonds. I thought he was great.
2: He's, he's one of my favorite players ever. And I'm glad, you know, as far as like uh, like a controversial take, I guess I have, would be, I think all those guys that, that met that criteria, to, you know, on the playing field should be Hall of Famers. Um, whether or not they should be treated the same in the Hall of Fame is a different story. I think they could put them in a different section or put a, you know, put something on the plaque that notes that, hey, this is, you know, the allegations or what was found against them. Like going to the Hall of Fame as a baseball fan, to me, it's a, it's, you know, it's honoring some of the best guys who have ever played, coach, manage, all that stuff. But to me, more than anything, as a fan, it's a it's a baseball history museum. Exactly. You want to be able to you want to be able to go in there and from day one of baseball to now, like you want to learn the story of baseball and all the different things that happened. And I think to completely ignore an era of baseball, one that actually was, uh, you know, pretty lucrative for the league as far as ratings, attendance, things like that. Like I want to go to the Hall of Fame and learn about that. You know, I want to go there and see all of those baseballs. I want to see Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa stuff. I don't want like, like, you know, I feel the same way about Pete Rose. He's a, he's a, he's a part of baseball history, you know, whether you disagree with what he did or not. Um, I don't think you can exclude those guys from a museum like that. If you want to put them in like a, you know, disgraced section of the, the museum, or if you want to put like an asterisk on their plaque, or if you want to put like a paragraph at the bottom, Hey, this guy, you know, uh, broke the rules, was banned for life, you know, bet on baseball. You know, total no-no, like all that stuff. Like, throw whatever the fuck you want on there. But like, I want to see Pete Rose stuff, I want to see Bonds, Maguire, Sosa, uh, Palmero, like all those dudes. Like, I-, I think they should all be in and they should just embrace that that was part of baseball history. They don't have to condone it, but don't act like it never happened. I think that's stupid.
0: For sure.
1: Yeah, to be honest, like MLB profited from all these eras. They they profited from the steroid era. They they profited from this home run race from Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. They knew like. Everybody knew what was going on. Everybody knew that people were taking steroids. For years, people said Barry Bonds is taking steroids. Everybody knows it. he's not getting suspended or anything. But then as soon as he's done playing, it's a big like ordeal. He's not going into the Hall of Fame, all this stuff. And I think that it's bullshit because the MLB profits from all these events going on. They profit from all these home runs being hit. They profit from the TV ratings from it. And then they're just going to turn their backs on him as soon as they're done taking the money from it and be like nah you weren't a part of baseball because you cheated which is complete shit to be honest yeah
2: no doubt and the worst part about it is and people say all the time there there are steroid users in the hall of fame already they just didn't Mm -hmm. get caught they maybe they didn't pop the positive test or maybe uh you know who knows who knows what happened maybe they were doing something that wasn't tested for back then but it's tested for now there are guys that have squeaked through and and the guys who played know who they are but the fact that some guys now it's that that's where you run into trouble with this shit is you can't it's not an exact science we don't know who did it and who didn't we have speculations we have tests from the early 2000s that were faulty and and all these different things well like if we don't know dude how can we how can we separate how can we say this guy he was accused of it but he's he's fine you know he's good to go but this guy was accused and it was never proven that he did it but he his head got bigger so he's out you know what I mean (laughs) that kind of stuff I, I don't know I think it's a, you know, it's a slippery slope you go down. I just, as a fan, I want to I wanna see everything. I want to see, I want to learn about the steroid era. I want to see guys that, you know, and, and who knows, like like you said, it's, you still got to go out and play the game. You know, you're strong, you're healthy, you're, you're feeling good every day. Those are some benefits of steroids. But the numbers, the, the things that Barry Bonds did, no one else in the history of baseball did that. Um, the, way, the way he was able to make contact, never strike out, draw walks, play defense, run you know one of the best player of all time and he's not in the museum it's just nuts it's crazy to me
0: yeah all right so we'll kind of move on to the last section of questions we have for you we have some baseball ones and some personal ones so I know Braden will start with the baseball one all right so we got some award
1: predictions for this year who do you think is going to win Cy Young and MVP for both sides of the league oh that's
2: a good one um MVP first guy no brainer Otani um he's he's doing something that you know, only really one guy in the history of baseball has done at this level. He's, he's a special dude. He's doing it on both sides of the ball. I think that's, I think that's just a runaway. I feel bad for Vladdy because he's like putting up triple crown type numbers, but he's, he's up, he's against up against unfair competition, bro. Like he's, uh, you know, Otani is like, he's, he's the dude right now. So I think that's a no brainer um, on the NL side, uh, you know, Tatis seems to be, at least is my guy where if you look at all the numbers and now that he's healthy again, it was looking sketchy there for a minute, but um, you know, he comes, he comes back playing outfield and hits two bombs in his first game back. So it it clearly looks like he's not going to miss a beat. Um, So that's one that comes to mind for the NL Um, say Cy Young um, as a, as a Phillies uh, you know, as a biased guy, to some degree. um, I like Zach Wheeler right now. It's gotta be
0: Zach Wheeler. It has to be.
2: It's gotta be Zach Wheeler. Unfortunately for DeGrom, who was, potentially going to run away with Cy Young and MVP. I think it's gotten to the point now where he's missed enough time.
0: Yeah. He Uh, has no chance.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's going to get, uh, you know, a ton of love in the voting. So unfortunately he's going to lose, you know, lose out this time. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say Wheeler for NL. AL is tough. There's some guys, um, there's some guys up there. Uh, Garrett Cole, you know, he's leading the league in strikeouts again. Um, He seems, I know he had a few hiccups um you know when all the uh the substance stuff came out he had a few rough starts but um Cole's up there I mean who else we got who else we got in the AL who are the other candidates I honestly at this point um Lance Lynn I'm a big fan of
0: yeah Lance Lynn Lance, Lance Lynn's thrown
2: really well um god honestly I, w- I would probably go with the the big fellow Lynn for for the AL if he keeps doing what he's doing I think is he's got an ERA in the low twos he's up there in strikeouts um you know kind of leader of the staff for the White Sox and I you know as a as a Rays fan I never want to side with the Yankees on anything so for sure
0: um, I'll go I'll go with Lance Lynn in the AL for Cy Young. Sounds good sounds good so um, still kind of a baseball related question Um, if you had to have one walk-up song walk-out song as a pitcher what is it? Man man that's a good one
2: I had so I'm kind of I'm a rock and a rap guy it kind of depends on what mood I'm in Um, I went, I went rock kind of all the way through my career, but as a, one of my favorite ones that I only used a couple of times, but as an Eagle fan got me going was dreams and nightmares. I think, uh, you know, it does not fit, does not fit me at all because I'm I'm a lefty, like 5'11 white dude out there throwing like 82. And then you've got me coming on, but honestly, I don't give a fuck. That would be, that would be my number one. If I was a big leaguer, that's what I'm rolling with. I love um, it. I, I used to, that was more like for me, I would listen to it on the way to the field because I knew everyone would give me shit if I used it in real life. So I went something with a little bit more appropriate for, for my style, but
0: yeah, I'll roll with Meek. All right, all right. We kind of had talked about your controversial take. So is it that, you know, yeah. steroid users should be in the Hall of Fame?
2: Yeah, we can stick with that. I'm, I'm all in on that. Um, I love debating people on it, but you know, it's just, I know some uh, some of the old school Hall of Famers, you know, like Joe Morgan, some guys like that were pretty outspoken that they didn't want those guys in there. And, you know, I can respect that because I think they should have a voice in it. But like I said, as a fan, I think it's important to, to look at all the baseball history and, and, you know, you want, you want, I like, I want my grandkids to go there in 50 years and learn about Barry Bonds. I think that's amazing. Like that's someone I grew up watching. He's, you know, you've got what's crazy. me, You've got the home run leader in major league history and you've got the hits leader And neither of them are Hall of Famers like that. To me, to me, that's just a massive fuck up on their part, maybe. But, you know, I think there's a way to, uh, to show inside the museum that, Hey, you know, this stuff was bad. It wasn't good. We shouldn't tolerate it. It's no longer allowed in our game. But again, like I said, I don't like erasing history. um, And, and I think they should be in there. So, you know, I, I think a lot of the young people agree with me. It might, it might not be so controversial anymore, you know, amongst our, our demographic, but I know a lot of the old heads are still uh, very much fighting against that. So mm. I'll roll with that one. I
1: have a feeling by the time that our generation takes over power, there's going to be a lot that's changed in yeah. history. I think a lot of history is going to start coming back. Cause I think a lot of people start to push. Yeah. Add away instead of just honoring what happened.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a countrywide, you know, trend right now, people, you know, that bad thing, bad things happen all throughout history, man. It's just, you know, you learn from it, you move on, you don't repeat it. And you know, to act like it never happened to erase it, I think is, I think it's dangerous. Um, and I know that's like a deeper conversation, but on the baseball side, basically I, I want to go in the hall of fame and see Barry Bond shit. That's a no brainer for me. Um, so I think that's just creates a better
1: experience for everybody personally. For sure. Okay. So moving into the last question, I know it's a little bit more lighthearted, not baseball related yeah. at all, but if okay. you were given a year long vacation and you were told that you can only bring five things outside of your everyday items of like clothes, your phone, your wallet, like AirPods or whatever, what would you bring? Man, that's a good one. Do I know where I'm going? Is
0: there a bar there? Yeah, you, you can choose where you're going. So if you want <laughs> yeah, to go the, to, uh, if you want to go to like a beach, that's on you. you Want to go to uh, mountains, yeah. Don't matter.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Either way, somewhere I would say somewhere tropical, but I live I live in Florida, so to switch it up, I was I've always wanted to go out to Montana, go out west, and do that. Um, so that'd probably be the spot. But as far as things I would bring, um, I haven't. I've been so busy with work, I haven't been able to be on the grind recently. But I'd bring a PlayStation in the show because that's I grew up on that stuff and. If I'm gonna be on vacation, I'm gonna to try to get ranked in Diamond Dynasty for sure. Um, I'd bring probably uh, some sort of like wiffle ball, ping pong, spike ball, some shit I could play. Like I'm competitive, so that's how I like to pass the time too. If I'm not getting pissed off at my PlayStation, I'm trying to to compete with somebody in something else. So something like that. I grew up on wiffle ball, so that would probably be the thing. Um, since I started working in, uh, you know, in in like doing business, I've I've enjoyed reading like autobiographies, like business books about successful people, like their habits, what they do. Um, that's something I'm trying to do more of. Let, less of the dumb shit like PlayStation, and more trying to you know read read some stuff that can help me out. So I would bring some books like that, you know, um, just like you know how to be successful in life. You know, autobiographies about people that have built million dollar businesses, and it's amazing to, to, to read some of these stories. These guys start with nothing and and build these empires. I think that's cool as hell. Um, I would bring some Eagles gear for sure. If I'm gonna go out there, if I'm if I'm out there for a year, I've got an NFL season I gotta prepare for. So I'm one of those fans that that, that gets all decked out and shit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring my whole wardrobe out there, make sure to get some Eagles spits off for when they're winning 14 games this year. Um, <laughs> oh, <Whoa>,
0: that's controversial.
2: <laughs> that's controversial. That's why I saved it for the end so you can argue with <laughs> me. Um shoot, what else? What am I at? Four? Is that four? Yep, things? Yeah, one, one more thing. More. Oh, what else do I like? maybe like a deck of cards or something. I love blackjack gambling. I've got, you know, I'm a, I'm a degenerate to some degree. So uh, yeah, <laughs> not, not sports playing blackjack, stuff like that. I think that's cool. So bring some of that out there.
0: Awesome. I mean, those are all great things. So we want to thank you for being on the show. Like you gave us a, a ton of time. This is awesome. We learned a lot about, you know, what you do, where baseball is kind of going as a whole. And mm-hmm. I mean, we can't thank you enough. Um, I mean, you're more than welcome to come on the show whenever
2: Love it, man. No, I love what you guys are doing. I'm pumped to see you guys grow in this thing. I- I'm not as athletic as your last guest was, so I apologize <laughs> to anyone that was expecting another one of those guys. But you know, if uh, if anyone wants to learn more about analytics, how to get your foot in the door, you know, for the younger guys, you know, people that listen that are still in college, maybe wanting to get in the industry, um, you know, you know where to follow me. I'll have these guys put it up there, and I'm happy to answer any questions because where i was at in, in school trying to learn more about this stuff like the best advice i got were, were from people that were in it and have been through it so i'm always happy to talk about this stuff and help because because i love it so thanks
0: appreciate a lot guys i appreciate it yeah no problem yeah, thank so you. this is episode four of fuck a we ball we'll see you guys next week thank you